Hey everybody, I'm Brooke and I sobered up August 2nd, 2016. Hi friends, I'm Suzanne and I sobered up December 19th, 1991. Together we got a lot of recovery and we host Seek Purpose, the podcast. Seek Purpose is a community that supports recovery, healing, and spiritual growth. We believe that sharing our stories can greatly impact our communities and collective action can impact the world. So stop scrolling and start listening, will ya? Awesome. Hi everybody, I'm Brooke. Hi friends, my name's Suzanne. And this is Seek Purpose, the podcast. We are so excited today. We have Lauren Ashley from Lauren Ashley Studios um, here today to share a beautiful story. She is finding purpose right now after losing her partner to suicide. And um, I just want to put that out there right away because I know this can be a very sensitive topic and a little bit triggering for some people. So just to know that that's what this episode is about. Please get your Kleenex and whatever you need to comfort yourself through this. And Lauren, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Lauren Ashley. Uh, I'm a wedding photographer. I lost my partner on September 12th, uh, 2020 to suicide uh and my mission at this point in time is to save lives uh and just bring awareness either whether you are people are struggling with suicidal thoughts and or have lost someone to suicide um so that is why i'm here we are so excited thank you uh from the bottom of our heart i know it's been emotional and we were just talking about that before we went live as far as you know just sharing this journey uh you said you'd do it every day all day <laughs> if it was yeah. going to help another uh see the real picture of what can happen if if someone takes their lives because even when uh we were talking actually brooke and i earlier also uh, you know part of my disease actually takes me to this deep depression even sober that i have i don't think necessarily about drinking i actually go to that place of like i just want to end it and suicide sure. has been part of my recovery journey um not doing it but definitely thinking about it and when you're in that uh you know you're not I'm not thinking about what it would do to my family I'm just thinking I just want to stop the pain mm -hmm. so seeing <laughs> I get all emotional because when I watch your videos and having you so raw and so real and so authentic on uh these videos has really um you know even this just this last six months with some stuff I've been going through witnessing you going through what you've gone through with your loss has really helped me so Good. yeah and i think that's what this is all about and why mm -hmm. we're so grateful for you to come here to share your journey sure absolutely i and and just hearing that you know uh i was explaining to to the ladies you know and you to all of you uh that I get hundred messages, hundreds, like sometimes, I mean, over hundreds of messages per day of just people just saying how much it's helped them, uh, which is why I want to keep doing it and doing podcasts, um, helping other people just kind of like realize, uh, and, and in both ways, like you said, you know, you being uh, an addict, understanding and feeling suicidal thoughts, um, and then other people losing um, people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh, let's get started. What yeah. do you want me to just kind of start from the beginning? Uh, yeah, we'd love we to hear instant questions. <laughs> we'd love to hear a bit about your your journey with um, like your love story. How did you guys meet? Tell us tell us how that all happened. Yeah, so uh, we did meet online. Um, a photographer. I wound up uh, taking his picture. We hit it off instantly. Uh, he was funny and charming and handsome. Uh, he was joking me, joking with me. He gave me his business card with his like phone number and was like, you know, I, I would love to take this hot photographer out on a date and being like super cute. And uh, it, it was, it was just instant for us. The chemistry was amazing right off the bat. Um, and, and we fell in love pretty quickly. Uh, he was exactly everything that I needed. He was everything that I wanted in someone. Um, and, and, and he was, he was that, uh, from the beginning. So he did let me know very early on that he was, uh, a recovering alcoholic. I really underestimated what it meant to be an alcoholic. Mm. I never had alcohol run in my, or an alcoholism like run in my family. I've never been with somebody with alcoholism. So I really underestimated what it meant to be an alcoholic. Mm. Um, he had been sober from what he told me two years at that point. And uh, I really never thought that he was going to drink. 
So things were going very well. Uh, he was working IT. He had a great job. He began working for me part-time initially. And then in the spring of 2019, he quit his job. Uh, and he came to work for me full-time. Uh, it was kind of hard because it was like, I was like the boss, like I'm like the female <laughs> and I was like <laughs> the boss. Uh, and, but, but he, he was so intelligent. He was the yin to my yang for the company. So mm -hmm. like I'm creative, right? But he was numbers and organization and all the things that I was not good at. So, uh, he came in, he did a great job. We realized financially we could afford for him to come on full time. So he did things were going extremely well. Um, so when I tell my story, it's kind of almost confusing to me because I don't understand depression or alcoholism or triggers, uh, cause I don't suffer from that. Um, so he did relapse in July or the summer of 2019. Uh, and it rocked my world because it was something that I've never experienced before. Uh, his relapses were not like his relapses were beyond something that I control, meaning like he would take a drink and then he would keep drinking for weeks. Like he was incapable uh, of stopping. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll never forget. I went to go get my hair done and then finding him in a parking lot passed out from drinking. I actually mm -hmm. thought he, uh, was dead then uh, and it was very traumatizing for me um, and I just remember sobbing and being hysterical and was like we're going to rehab I don't care how much this takes like we're gonna get you help yeah so for him in those instances uh, he did drink for a few more days but he was able to get his act together go to AA get a sponsor do all of those things and things were doing very very well mm -hmm. um you know we had our relationship problems like anyone else um but we moved downtown Chicago we got a beautiful loft things were doing really well um but he was still constantly struggling with alcoholism um and addiction uh and depression so we went through couples counseling just so I could understand so I could be a better partner I was definitely pushing him to go on medication, push, you know, keeping him an AA. Um, he, when COVID hit though, he was no longer able to go to AA with people um, and stay in those groups. He kind of lost contact with his sponsor then. Uh, and he did relapse uh, in April of 2020. Uh, and that was really hard. Um, I'm going to be very careful of what I say, but it was when he would drink, he would become a different person. And mm -hmm. I became kind of scared, uh, worried for myself, worried for my son. Um, when he would drink, I would remove myself and my son and my dog from the situation. Not because I thought that he was going to physically hurt me, but I was scared because he would become someone different when he was drinking. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you a question? Um, you, you were talking about the first time he relapses. I think it's important, you know, for those of our listeners that are listening in regards about addiction and uh, the progression of the disease from the first time you saw him obviously drink, mm -hmm. obviously you could see that there is, this is not normal behavior. <laughs> uh, but it just seems when the first time you kind of went through this, you were understanding, you were seeking, you know, support and help and whatever I can do. And now this time, it seems, you know, from what you're sharing that things got worse. Would you say they were progressively worse the second time you picked up? Every single time got worse. Uh, yeah, obviously the third time was the, the, the worst, but the first time was like, so I'll never forget being like the first time he relapsed. I was like, we're going to get through this. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like I, I, I didn't really, he got really drunk. He passed out. He was kind of, you know, and I was like, it's okay. Like we're like, this is no big deal. Like we're going to get over this. Um, and, and I really underestimated that, um, after talking to his family, um, and, and, and his friends and a few other people, I realized that this was an ongoing thing, but I didn't know that then, but the first time he was able to sober up without needing to go to the hospital, mm -hmm. um, the first time. Um, the second time was progressively worse. 
uh, because he was suicidal, claiming, well, he was claiming to be suicidal then, um, the second time in April. So I contacted our couples counselor asking her for help because I said, he's claiming he's suicidal and he's going to kill himself. What do I call 911? And she said, if something were to happen and you don't, you will regret it. So I call 911 uh, in April. It's a very long, very long drawn out story. But unfortunately, the police for downtown Chicago are different than the Chicago or than the suburb cops. So city cops and suburb cops are two totally different like things. Mm-hmm. So like the Chicago cops couldn't do anything. Like they wouldn't be able to do anything. They said. Um, so I just was like, I called 911. I did what I could. I wound up coming home. Uh, here, a lot of drama ensued, um, which I'm, I'm going to keep to myself, but it wasn't good. My family and my friends were very angry at him. You know, they were worried for my safety, for Noah's safety, Ryan, you know, for Ryan's safety. Um, but he promised me he was never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was like the second time, right? So he, he sobered up at the second time wound up going to AA. We never went to the hospital. Like for, so the first two times we never had to go to the hospital, um, or go to rehab. Everything was pretty much settled and figured out pretty quickly with a sponsor and through AA. Um, but the third time was obviously the worst time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't some of this stuff is, it's such a long story that I don't even know where, where to begin. Um, we were living in the city. We were having a lot of riots happening. Uh, I got really worried about like the safety for my son. You know, uh, I was just kind of over the city life because of COVID, like there was nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I told Ryan, I was like, I want to move to the suburbs. Uh, he didn't really want to move. I didn't understand why. Um, but I was like, I know it's going to be a better life. Like, let's just go and just... He, he started changing. I didn't know what was going on. He became really depressed, very on edge all the time. Uh, and I would confront him and I would tell him like, I don't know why you're so edgy. I don't understand why you're depressed. Go see a doctor if you're depressed. Am I doing something wrong? Let's mm-hmm. go talk to the counselor. What can I do better? If I can't fix your problem, like if it's not about me, then it's now something that you need to do, you know? So I put that on him. Um, and he kept saying, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. We'll go to a doctor. Well, I don't want to. Go, go go, back to AA. Well, I don't want to. You can't tell me what to do is kind of what I started to hear. So I made the decision to move to the suburbs. I told him, I'm like, I'm going to the suburbs. I love you. Uh, if you don't want to move with me, I, I don't know what to tell you, but like, the, I, I need to, I, we need to move to the suburbs. Like, you're not telling me why we can't move to, mm-hmm. the, to the suburbs. So we moved, we moved to the suburbs. Um, we weren't there for very long. Um, when he relapsed, we were, we moved in like August 1st and, uh, he wound up relapsing on August 15th at a wedding. Uh, our therapist saw it coming. I wish she could be watching right now, but (laughs) she, she actually saw it coming. She kept telling Ryan, like, you need to go back to AA. You need to go back and get a sponsor. You know, you're depressed. I understand you're depressed you know um so when he did relapse she wasn't very surprised um people ask me what caused the trigger i don't know um he i knew he was depressed i didn't know why we had a beautiful relationship we had a beautiful business we had a beautiful life i didn't understand um i loved i i loved him he loved me even in his letters, you know, he, he just, he, he just didn't know why, uh, he relapsed. Um, and when he relapsed the third time, there was so much destruction in his path after his third relapse that there was no recovering from that, which is why he decided to end his life. Um, he wound up getting, uh, a fifth DUI which meant that he was going to be going to prison for five to 15 years. Um, I told him he could no longer work for my company because that was his third time relapsing and I didn't feel comfortable. Um, 
him working anymore. Um, you know, our relationship was strained. Um, all this money was spent from now lawyers and getting his car impounded. Um, it was, it was difficult. Um, I, I, the story is very long. He, you know, just wasn't in the right place of mind. He wound up flying into Seattle um, um, after the day that he got his DUI because I think he was planning to kill himself actually in Seattle. Mm. Um, but I begged him so much to come home that when he did come home, I said, if you come home, we're going to the hospital. You know, he was at that point, I don't even know how long he'd been drinking. It was the end of August at this point. Um, but, uh, the last straw was when he came home from Seattle, uh, refusing to go to the hospital, get him to the hospital, refusing to be admitted into the hospital. I mean, it's just a very, I did everything I could. Mm -hmm. Um, I stood on my head. I cried to him. I yelled at nothing worked like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I was just, I was just at my wits end. I needed help and there was no one that was able to help me. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have his sponsor's number and he had his phone. So I was unable to call his sponsors. Um, but he, he, he kind of like ruined that relationship with his sponsors. So, and I never had access to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I told Ryan at one point in late August, I said, you're welcome home, but you can't be drinking. And if you come home, and you tell me you're suicidal again, I'm going to call 911 again. Just because I called 911 in April, I said, you know, I was going to call 911 again. And he came home. I asked him, he said, I'm still suicidal. I felt like I had no choice but to call 911. Um, it wasn't a decision. Oop. My thing is. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a decision because I was trying, you know, to do anything other than like get him help. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I just was lost. No one could really help me. I needed to get him into rehab or something. Uh, and I kind of put a lot on myself. Um, and I, I feel like for Ryan, he felt like he was such a burden because like I was putting so much on myself, making it like my responsibility. Mm. Um, when you took him to the hospital, uh, you said you called 911 when you made those calls, what, what walk us through that when you picked up the call, did they come? Like, what was the process? What was their process in dealing with him? <laughs> process was terrible. Cause initially this woman, hmm, uh, <laughs> just like this whole thing is just fun. Like, but anyway, this woman police officer. I think she meant well, and I'm sure they see stuff all the time. They see domestic, they see crazy women all the time. But the woman was like, are you trying to get a restraining order? Like, are like, are you trying to be dramatic is basically what she's saying. Like, she's like, are you just, are you just trying to say he's suicidal so you can get a restraining order? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is like, no lady. Like, I'm like, I just need someone to help me. Mm -hmm. Cause she said like, I was acting very calm for someone who was claiming they were suicidal. Um, but I'm grateful for the paramedics. Paramedics came. Um, they were the ones that like assessed him, but he was so out of his, he wasn't in the right place. Um, and the paramedics were like, we have to take you in. Um, he was extremely intoxicated. Uh, my family was really upset that I stayed with him cause they were like, you know, cause it was actually my brother's birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were going to go out to dinner that night with me and my family and my brother. Um, but because I was doing this, I was no longer coming. So my family was very upset, uh, rightfully so. But but I knew I couldn't leave Ryan because he was so intoxicated that I was afraid that if they, I knew they were going to have to restrain him mm -hmm. uh, if he were to be acting out. And he's, he, you know, I don't know if you saw pictures of him, but he's a huge muscular dude. Uh, and I was afraid that he was going to be throwing punches or something. <laughs> so I wound up going with him to the hospital. Uh, he kept trying to put his street clothes on and leave. And he was like, you know, you can't make me stay here. This is controlling or like, I don't know. 
love him, but I'm like, this is crazy, you know? <laughs> and uh, uh, I stayed with him. So we got there at 6 p.m. I was really upset. I was just kind of having my own internal battle too because I was like, this isn't normal. Like, I shouldn't have to be doing this. Like, this isn't fair. Angry at myself, angry feeling like I'm allowing this, angry that my family is angry, angry at him, you know. I, you know, it was just a lot of, and anger is a second form of actually being hurt. So I was hurt first and then I was angry, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I always say this very often on TikTok is you can love someone and still be angry at them. So I still loved him, but I was very angry. So he wanted, he begged me to stay with him all night. I didn't want to, but I said, Ryan, if I stay with you all night, uh, you need to admit yourself for suicide and addiction. And he goes, I promise, I promise, I promise. So when he was finally admitted to the hospital, that was the first time since he relapsed in the beginning or the in the middle of August that I felt any form of relief because I knew that he was safe. Mm-hmm. I knew that he wasn't going to be drinking and driving. I knew that he was going to be sober in the hospital. I knew that nothing terrible was going to happen while he was in the care of the hospital. Um, hospital was amazing, but because of COVID, they can only keep you for so long. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, he, and he's great. He's a great talker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was able to convince them he was fine and was no longer suicidal and could go home and do inpatient care. Well, when he came home, we contacted a lawyer and the lawyer was like, there is nothing I can do. You, this was your fifth DUI. Um, you were going to be going to prison um and I think looking back at the dates of his letters is kind of when he made that decision uh right away that his life was over Mm -hmm. um that you know he just didn't want to he just didn't want to do that um there's more there's kind of more to it you know like because obviously like our relationship was strained You know, he ruined the relationship with the business. You know, his family was upset. My family was upset. You know, there was there was all this damage uh, in his path and in his mind by ending his life was going to be the best decision for him is what he thought. Mm -hmm. Um, On the day that he passed away, he was in a great mood. He was happy. We had a great day. We had photo shoots. Everything was awesome. Um, we made plans to go apple picking the next day. So this was, you know, on August 12th, uh, the next day was going to be a Sunday. We made plans and I was like, okay, well, you know, because it was in such a good mood that day, I didn't think I had to watch him. And I know that sounds silly and it's not like I was crazily watching him. Um, and in some ways I actually did not actually think that he was actually going to commit suicide. Um, but I felt like it was safe for me to leave for just a couple hours. Mm-hmm. So I was running an errand. Ryan calls me and it was like, Hey, I actually don't feel well. Why don't you stay at your mom's? Um, and you know, uh, you know, I- I'm just going to stay home. I'm like, that's weird, but like not enough to set me off. Like not enough for me to question that he was suicidal. Um, because my son is immune compromised. So sometimes I do stay at my mom's house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, no, I'm going to come home. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see, I'll see you in a little bit. And he's like, okay, I love you. And even though I was frustrated at him, uh, I did say, I love you too. And those were actually the last things he heard from me. And I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, if I, if I didn't say I love you back, I think I would have regretted that. Mm-hmm. Um, but something in my head said, say, I love you too. And I did. Cause sometimes Sometimes when I'm really angry at him, I wouldn't say I love you back, but uh, I told him I love you too. Uh, I came home uh, after running my errand and it was very odd and I knew something was wrong. Um, The TV was on and I I found him on the couch and I was very confused because it didn't look right. Um, I'm not going to share how he killed himself out of respect for his family. His family uh, has kindly asked that I don't share. Uh, But the minute I realized what was happening, 
I, I don't remember if I started CPR first. I think I started shaking him first. Um, he was extremely white. It was really dark in the house, though, too. So I couldn't realize how white he was. Um, but I call 911. I remember 911 telling me that they couldn't understand me. I remember breathing like I'm trying to breathe now, being like, you need to, I kept hearing this voice, like, you need to take breaths, you need to keep breathing, like, so I was able to finally have 911 understand me. Uh, I'm really, really impressed by my suburbs police department. So uh, I came home at 11.11, I called 911 at 11.14, and a police officer was there at 11.19. So they were like there within less than like five minutes. It was amazing. Um, I tell people that I was concerned of hurting him, getting him on the floor to do CPR. Uh, cause I'm like 130 pounds. He was like double my size. Um, I, I, I do, I do, this is kind of graphic. So if anybody's watching, please be careful. But, uh, I remember doing, um, CPR on him and there's a term that's called the death crackle. And I, I actually heard this while I was doing CPR on him. And at that point, I knew in the back of my head that he was already gone. But there was like this little bit of hope um, that I caught it in time because he was actually warm. He was actually like hot to the touch to me. So um, I call, I'm laying on the floor. The police come, they, they hook him up to the defibrillator. He's doing CPR on him. I'm watching him do this. Police pick me up. Two of them had to pick me up off the floor um, and bring me into the kitchen. Um, I call my mom. I call my mom. Um, I tell her that Ryan killed himself to come to come immediately. Um, my mom and my brother come. Um, my dad stayed home with my son. Um, because my, my mom and my family were, was watching my son because we were working. Um, they came. Police. Sorry. Police were there. Um, and for whatever reason, the police almost gave me more hope because the police were like, I'm like, is he dead? Is he dead? Like, I just kept asking. And they're like, well, you know, we think, you know, we don't know. You know, the, the paramedics are working on him. Uh so, you know, don't stress, or I forgot what they said exactly. And, um, but I knew, I mean, I, I think I already knew, but I was angry and I was just angry. And I was going through all these emotions of feeling sad and confused and angry. My parent, my, you know, my mom is there, my brother's there, and the police are there. And I told the police, I was like, if he's dead, just tell me, just tell me if he's gone. And, uh, 30 minutes goes by and I'm thinking no news is good news and then uh, the two the two police officers walk up and I just saw their face and I knew and uh, I just hit the floor well they, they told me that he was gone and I just hit the floor uh, in my kitchen and I was just screaming if you've never heard like a death curdling no scream like that is you know that was what I was screaming it was uh, very traumatic for actually my family as well. Uh, my mother and my brother thought I needed to go to the hospital because they were worried about me. Um, and it, it was terrible. Uh, I was angry. I was angry at my family. I was angry at the police. I was angry at Ryan. Um, I remember running up the stairs. The police kind of were like, we have to stay with you because, um, we're afraid you're going to hurt yourself. And I'm like, F off. Like, I was just like, I'm not a very big swear, but I was just so angry, like, at everyone. Uh, and I just told the police officer, like, there's no guns in the house. Just follow me. I just wanted to sit in my bedroom and just scream and cry because I felt like nobody wanted me to scream and cry. Like, I just, that's just what I needed in those moments. Um, the detective came. Uh People don't realize that suicide is still considered a crime, so they have to do a full-on investigation. I show them my ring cams. I show them the receipt from dinner. You know, it was very evident that he did it himself. Um, the next day was worse because it was like reality was kind of setting in. 
um, I was unable to get a hold of his family and the police were unable to get a hold of his family because uh, they turned their phones off in the middle of the night, which is fine. A lot of people do that. Um, but the police didn't get a hold of his family until the next morning. Um, so the hospital kept calling me to donate Ryan's organs and tissues. Um, and they needed permission from his family as well, and they couldn't get a hold of them. It was, it was rough. Um, I lost my voice the next day. Um, I called the closest people to me, uh, like my assistant, um, some of my closest friends. I had other friends call for me to kind of spread the news. And then uh, I made a public announcement on Monday on Facebook. And uh, I contacted his family and I said, what, uh, his mom and his father specifically, but I said, what do you want me to say? Like, do you want me to just say that he passed away? Uh, and I gave his mom and his dad so much credit and they just said, we want you to tell the truth. And I was like, you really want me to tell everyone that he committed suicide and he was an addict and depressed? And they were like, yeah. And uh, they support me, uh, his family does. Um, they're, you know, it's, I'm, they don't blame me. They're amazing. Um, and I just kind of took off from there. I started uh, publicly telling my story uh, on TikTok specifically. Uh, and it took off in a way that I was very overwhelmed actually. Um, and I began literally saving lives with my story. And uh, I, I tell, I, I do say that, you know, Ryan's story saves thousands of lives daily, but it never saved his, which I think is hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get messages uh, hundreds a day, TikTok, Instagram, emails, letters, um, because like my story, I'm very like open and raw about how I feel about everything um, and, and how it affected my life and his family's life. Um, oops, <laughs> losing battery here. I'm so sorry, I'm making you guys cry. No, it's okay, I just- I'm making a lot of people cry. Uh, um, I just wanna touch on some stuff because there's so much. Oh my God, thank you so much for sharing. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. But you're talking about how he felt like there's no escape. There's no coming back from what he did. And I just, I remember that feeling right before I got sober. Like, I thought, I need to end my life because I've fucked up too much. Like, I can't, I can't possibly make up for all the stuff I've done. My life's just in shambles. And, like, I don't deserve to be here. And, and I just want people to know there that there's nothing you can't come back from that you can change your life and it can get better and you don't have to suffer anymore and like suicide is not the option if I would have ended my life I would have missed out on some fucking incredibly amazing things and just thank you so much for sharing your story and, and <sighs> you just telling people what, it, what it's really like from the other side like you're leaving behind people who love you and adore you and want to see you get well and I'm so absolutely in awe like how, how what you were able to give him and how you were able to support him did you ever try to access support for yourself through that if his aunt Jan is watching she has been trying to get me to Al-Anon forever <laughs> uh, I'm very stubborn uh, I have a very difficult time um, when it comes to being in a group of people of support, um, I find at this point in time, better support of finding help for myself, whether it's like reading, um, you know, educating myself. I, I, I know that I should, um, but I also have a very hard time too, not being in a group of people. Um, but I am, I want people to know, like I do seek help, but I seek it in a way of through myself, which is educating, reading, you know, uh, I do, I get energy work done. I get acupuncture done. I go to the gym. Um, I, I, I did talk to a therapist temporarily. I did go to suicide support groups. So I, I, I do. Um, and then when I feel like I need it, I will, I, I do go like 
back into it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. What is your connection, um, a spiritual connection? Do you have a relationship? Do you believe in God or do you believe in something? Do you believe in the the hereafter? <laughs> I was just my husband and I were watching um, Surviving Death on Netflix, mm. and man, I just was really blown away by that show. And uh, yeah, what's what's your relationship spiritually? Yeah, so uh, I was raised Baptist. Um, so I was raised Christian. I still consider myself Christian, um, but I'm actually really into the spirit spiritual uh, side of everything as well. Um, so I'm really into energy work. I, I'm going to be very careful on how I say this because I know a lot of people are watching, but I do definitely believe that I feel Ryan's spirit. I kind of, um, feel him around me often. Um, it wasn't something I really experienced before his death, um, but definitely after his death, um, I'm really more in tune into like the spiritual world of things, but not in an evil sense. Uh, I want to make that very clear. I don't do like spells or anything. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's such a touchy subject. You gotta yeah. be so careful because there's this very heavy line between Christianity and witchcraft and, uh, and a very thin line, I mean. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm really into the energy uh, and spirituality and angels and, uh, spirits. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't feel anything bad in my house, to be honest. Um, it's nothing but good, positive energy and anyone that's, even though it did happen in my house, I still live in my house. Um, it feels okay. I actually work with like a spiritual worker with it, with Ryan as well. Mm -hmm. Um, once again, gotta be careful what I say. Uh, but, but it's helped me heal. Mm -hmm. um, whether people think I'm nuts or not, when it comes to that, uh, I, it's definitely, it's a pretty amazing thing. Mm -hmm. so. I really love that you're sharing that because that's something I've actually struggled with myself because I, I definitely believe in Jesus. I, I find a lot of, um, like spiritual connection in worship and in the church and doing those kind of things. But I also love crystals and like, um, energy healing and Reiki and all that kind of stuff as well. I say I'm like somewhere between Christians and crystals, like that's where my faith lies. But it is—it's a hard, <laughs> it's a hard thing it's to talk hard. about. Yeah, uh, and 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 you know my family is most likely watching, and it's it's a very delicate balance once again. Uh, but I'm the same way. Um, I've experienced God in ways that I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, as far as miracles, my son's a miracle. My son shouldn't even be here. Um, I remember basically hearing God so loudly when my son was born. My son wasn't supposed to live. He was born at 25 weeks, um, one pound, six ounces, very long story. And that was when I actually realized that God was real. Even though I was raised Baptist, um, that was my come to Jesus moment, right? And then uh, I did starting getting, and then I did also start to get into uh, spiritual world of uh you know, the crystals and energy work and Reiki and acupuncture um, and this like higher level of self uh, meditation that you mm -hmm. can like get to. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And uh, like I said, if I'm nuts, it's helping me heal. Yeah. So, <laughs> whatever works. Mm -hmm. Actually, I remember we had uh, one of our guests, uh, Liberate Your True Self. Uh, I can't remember how to say her name. Anyways, she I'm was talking about that and I too battled between, you know, the Christian faith and crystals and tarots and, you know, because sure. when I became uh, a newborn Christian, it was like, ah, that's wicked, <laughs> you know, buried all my cards and got rid of all that stuff. And, and it wasn't until we did the podcast actually that when we had her on and that was some of the tough questions I asked her in regards to like crystals, like I was feeling anxious, like, oh my gosh, we're having this guest come on. And she was so beautiful in explaining um, all of God's creation and God created crystals, God created energy, God created the earth. And this is can't be more pure than getting, you know, like this is God. <laughs> and I was yeah. just, just the way she explained it, how beautiful it was, uh, has given me a connection that is, yeah, really special. So um, some people, yeah, I, I, I have crystal. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the beautiful rock. But you know, you, I really would like to talk about uh, or have you share about your son. And obviously, we understand that he's a person with disabilities. And that's one connection that I can kind of relate to, because I also have a daughter with special needs. And they're so pure, and they're so lovely. And 
their hearts. What, how did you explain that? What, what happened all of a sudden Ryan's there is a big part of his life as well. How did you explain that uh, to him about what yes. happened with Ryan? So nobody doesn't really understand. We did, I initially did tell, I tried to explain it in a way that he would understand that Ryan was, would be sleeping and not wake up. But I also wound up having to reiterate, like he's like in heaven, you know, he's in the sky. So like Ryan's up there, you know, um, Noah did come to the funeral uh, in the wake. But he didn't. He didn't really understand. Um, he's asked for Ryan a few times. We talk about Ryan. We show. We have pictures of how the in the house of Ryan. Um, but he still just doesn't understand. So my son has been acting out in pretty bad behavioral problems. I want to blame it on you know the change, um, but we're getting help for that. Mm-hmm. So we're going through ABA. Um, which is an applied behavioral analysis, and then they're helping with him acting out. Um, I also have a really great support team, like my mom. Um, and my brother actually moved into me, uh, moved in with me after Ryan's death. So I get help that way with my son as well. Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad you guys were able to have a funeral and a wake, because um, I know that's something a lot of families struggled with this last year with COVID and everything. Like, that's so special I feel very fortunate we were able to do that for my brother as well and then right after that everything shut down so I it's a a different story having to grieve in this kind of environment I think because as you were saying like the support isn't there for people that need it like addiction support or staying in the hospital for more than three days because you need some help with mental health and all that kind of stuff and then if your family member leaves like counseling's not the same you're doing it over zoom there's not as much to access i think what you're doing on tiktok and what we're able to do through social media is just more important than ever right now because it is so hard to get Sorry, I'm like snotting. It's so hard to get help there. <laughs> Girl, I'm like, I got the tissue. Um, I know in one of your TikToks you shared about the holidays and what that was like getting through that, going through grief and the anxious nausea. Do you, could you share with a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, I don't know why. Whatever reason, it like triggers me. Uh, I have a really hard time with my emotions, if I'm being really honest. Um, but... It was something that I was holding in a lot. So when Thanksgiving and Christmas came, I kept telling my mom, I feel really sick. Like it's something I'm, I think, I'm thinking it's something I'm eating. Uh, Thanksgiving came, I felt like I was gonna throw up. Um, I really didn't wanna be around anyone, not because I didn't love them, but I just didn't wanna make it about me. Um, so I just kinda like kept stepping away um, during Thanksgiving. Excuse me. Oh, sure. Like either <laughs> it's later here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Central Time. You guys yeah. are in Pacific Time. Um. Uh, but I did. I felt very sick. Uh, Thanksgiving, I actually threw up. Uh, when I came home, and then Christmas was the same way. I felt very, very sick to my stomach. Um. There's, there's a, there's a book called Option B, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because like. I wanted people to act in a certain way, but nobody knows how to act. Nobody knows how to treat me, you know? Um, and in the book Option B by Sheryl Sandberg, best book ever, kind of talks about people don't know how to react, just give them a benefit of the doubt that they're just doing it because they love you. Like they will tell you, let me know. The number one thing I hear is, let me know if you need anything. And sometimes what I need is for them to just either be there or just like you don't even have to say anything like I just want you to be there you know so uh, one thing I mentioned on my TikTok is just do something whether it's checking in on them buying them their favorite candy bar you know don't because when people say let me know if you need something it's putting the burden on us to make the decision on what we need Mm -hmm. and we might not be capable of telling you what we actually need so um, I might actually need someone just to sit there so I can cry in their lap for five hours. You know what I'm saying? But like, how can I ask that? You know what I'm saying? Um, I've had, I'm, I'm sure that I have friends that are watching right now on my podcast. They'll actually, I've had it 
where I've done lives on TikToks and my friend Nicole, uh, I have two friends, Nicole, but they'll like show up at my house at Capture. They're like, I'm here, see? <laughs> so so uh, I love them. I don't want anybody to come over right now if you guys want to. Uh, I'm going to bed after this. Um, but yeah, for, for the holidays, going back to the holidays, I just kind of wanted someone just to say like, I know it's hard like that Ryan's not here. You know, we love you. We support you. We loved Ryan. We also wish he was here. Um, and people just didn't mention it. And that's okay. Like, in the moments I felt like I wanted them to do that. And for whatever reason, I was hurt that, like, nobody, like, brought up his name. But it's not their fault. I don't know if that makes sense. It was, like, mm -hmm. a want and a need that I needed. But it was almost selfish because that's what I wanted. But these people just didn't know how to react. They thought by not talking about it, it was better because they didn't want to trigger me into crying or being upset. Mm. I think that's so important. I went through the exact same thing, actually. Everyone asking, like, what can I do? Let me know if you need help. It's like, how do you... I still couldn't tell you what I need. <laughs> like, I have no idea. There are days I still can't tell you what I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like, when you're going through grief, I think grief is got to be the most difficult thing to go through period in recovery I think over and above anything and and grief comes in many different forms it comes physically it can come emotionally you know you're grieving emotionally of um, a change or a situation or a breakup or you know like I love that TikTok too that you did when you're lying in bed talking about not waking up but it could be just a breakup of a relationship and the feelings are still the same right and uh, so when you are around people and I went through the same typical thing at Christmas too, of not having um, someone there. And my family was like, I'm not going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about it. And it did. It just ugh, makes you, it makes you sad. Cause it's like, I, you think, well, if I don't mention that situation or that person, then I don't want anybody to think that I've forgotten. I don't want that person to think I've forgotten. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's, exactly. yeah. So when everybody's silent about it, it's just, almost is that better or is it you know I tried to bring it up every time I brought it up others were like be quiet don't talk about them better and it's like I want to right. <laughs> Cause, yeah because I want I don't want I don't want that memory to disappear you know I exactly. want that energy I want the energy still here even though the body's not here or that person's not here I can still I want to feel that energy exactly yeah um, you touched on some of the things that you noticed with uh, Ryan before he committed suicide, and one of them was that you guys had a really good day the day before. Um, was there any other things that were kind of out of the norm that you noticed? I know one thing that comes up a lot is, is people that are about to commit suicide will usually give their things away. Um, yeah, they'll usually have a heightened mood, like you'll, you'll feel like you're having a really good day, really good week before it happens. Um, did you notice any of that stuff? One of the things that he did that surprised me, well, looking back, I, I didn't know any better. He signed the car over to me, but the reason that he did that, the, his excuse was, well, because I got my 50Y, they're going to take the car away from me. So I'm signing the car over to you to ensure it doesn't get taken away. And I was like, that makes sense. But looking back, that's not true. Mm. He was just trying to, you know, it's, I have to laugh and it's not really funny, but he was like the bills guy. So he made sure that all the bills were paid. Like, like it's so dumb. Right. But like, I remember cause like I wasn't coping very well for like the first month. And I think maybe he just knew, but he made sure everything was paid for, uh, on the day that he committed suicide. It was like, you know, the bill wasn't even due until like the end of that month or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, electric, water, gas, everything was already paid. Cause I just, I wasn't the best. I was good at it, but like, I, I'm usually that auto person, you know, like I leave <laughs> everything on auto. And uh, I'm trying to think what were some other things um, we didn't really have a lot or, you know, um, 
but but those that that was probably those are probably the biggest things where I was like, oh wow, he signed the car over to me, knowing mm-hmm. that he was gonna take his life um, and paid all the bills, knowing he was gonna mm-hmm. take his life. Um, his letter to me was written on September seventh, and uh, and then he committed on September twelfth. Another sign was uh, we made plans with some friends that week. So he committed on Saturday. We had plans with friends on like a Wednesday. And he just said to me, like, I don't want our friends to know what happened. I just want to have a normal, fun day with them. And I was like, okay. And we did. And we had a great day and we laughed. And even all my friends had no clue. Um, And some of it is looking back, I, you know, it wasn't a huge, not, not a lot of huge, huge signs. He was really good. You know why? Because he knew that I was going to stop him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we even have ring cameras on the outside. And even if he tried, com- and even in our garage. So, like, even if he tried to, like, take his life in our garage, tried to leave, it would have set me off. I would have called 911. You know, he, he already saw me call 911 on him twice because he was saying he was suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, one point I want to make was, when his toxicity report came back, uh, he did not drink on the day he committed suicide. Oh, wow. um, and for whatever reason, I was slightly bothered by this because in my head, I didn't want him to be in the right state of mind when he killed himself. It was like I wanted him to be drunk because he was not in the right state of mind and he took his life. Um, the only thing he had in his system was caffeine and some of the prescription pills um, his family uh, I'm sorry, his, his doctor made him take. Um, so yeah. What other questions do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm just so in awe of how you're able to speak about this. I know it's only been like four months and you're just doing such incredible things for a community of people that really need a voice and have a hard time. I'm sure people going through grief. I know I'm, i go through it as well it's hard to talk about you don't know what to say and the fact that you're out here talking so openly about it and just showing up for people who might not be able to do it for themselves like it's just so incredible and thank you so much do you want to leave (laughs) our audience with any advice um anyone that's going through this what would you say to them uh there's a couple ways so if they're going through a loss um so if you've lost someone to suicide i do put this on my tiktok the number one thing is to go see a doctor immediately and get put on medication. Um, I'm very open and honest that I am currently on an antidepressant. Uh, I'm on Wellbutrin, which I really, really like actually, um, because it doesn't give me a high. Um, it, it just kind of keeps me steady. The way that my therapist put it is you're drowning in depression and the medication is like a buoy uh, and like a life jacket, which keeps your head up above water, which is probably why I'm talking to you guys as normal as I am right now is because I'm medicated. <laughs> so <laughs> um, uh, the shock, the reason I say go see a doctor like almost immediately is because the first two weeks you're in shock. I don't know if, if you had that, um, but you, you don't really, you're not really processing what happens and then when the shock wears off, it hits you that they're not coming back. Like it's this like voice that all of a sudden's like, he's really not coming back. Then you like hit this low that you just like can't come out of. Um, when I, it took a while for the medication to kick in, probably like a couple weeks for me. Um, and I did feel better. Um, the other thing is obviously self care. Um, I'm currently not drinking all of January. Um, I did notice I started drinking alcohol heavily. And I say heavily more, um, after he passed away because people are like, we want you to feel better. Here's a glass of wine. Here's some vodka. Like, you know, like people think they're helping you. And then you're like, all of a sudden you're like, well, I've been drinking every single day. Like this is not healthy. Um, so I've really slowed down on my drinking. So obviously watch what you're drinking, you know, eating healthy, uh, working out made a huge difference for me. Um, so I slowly, you know, it was a slow thing because a lot of us haven't been working out for COVID, let's be real. But uh, <laughs> when I wound up going back to the gym and stuff, I, I did start to feel better. I still feel better. Um, I'm really into Reiki. 
Uh, I felt like that was extremely beneficial. I'm looking into EDMR, I believe it is called. Mm -hmm. It's for PTSD. Um, it's a type of therapy. I have that scheduled um, because I can sit here and say that I'm fine. Um, but I know that I severely am going to be struggling with PTSD after finding uh, my boyfriend uh, and what happened. So um, self-care obviously is super important. Finding support groups. I'm so blessed on the support system that I have. Um, and if you can't find it within your friends and family, then go find it like online um, and through a group. If you are suicidal, this is like a whole different subject. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously you can see from my story, go follow me on TikTok. You will see the pain that it completely inflicts um, on your friends and your family. People don't know. Um, you were slightly sharing on how when you were suicidal, you were like, you're thinking that you're doing people a favor and you're not, you know, you can be this success story, you know? And another thing I tell suicidal people is if you are actually suicidal, go do the thing that you fear the most. So that means if you want to go travel the world, if you want to quit your job and open a new business, like, because you have nothing to lose at that point. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I, I've been telling people, um, you know, finding support, go, don't be afraid to go on medication and doctor, which is why I'm so open about being on medication. Um, people, it's like the stigma, like, you know, you're crazy if you're on medication mm -hmm. and that's completely not true. Um, I'm trying to think what else, um, just, just stay like, you know, you could be that success story. You could be that next person on TikTok telling your, your crazy success story and how, you were suicidal or you were at your dad. I mean, look at you guys. You guys tell your story. Here you are doing a beautiful podcast and making a difference. Um, and that's an amazing thing. Uh, wow. I mean, that is such amazing nuggets in there for everybody involved on, on getting through uh, some really difficult times. And I thank you so much because, like I say, I you know, I too am a, an alcoholic addict, but I also suffer through just being sober in different situations and, and um, how scary those dark moments can be. And having more people come out like yourself and share about it and, oh, we, we lost her. <laughs> oh no, I think her battery went dead. <laughs> Anyways, oh my goodness. Oh, well, that was amazing. And thank it's eight o'clock, so we're done. <laughs> that was great timing. Lauren, oh my goodness, yeah. But, oh, wow. I am just, I feel so blessed that um, you were able to come and share with us. Lauren, thank you so much yes. for being here. If anyone is in Facebook or listening to this podcast on the replay on Apple or wherever you are, you can go find Lauren at Lauren Ashley Studios on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, she's doing incredible she work. Is. Oh, here we are. <laughs> I was just like, wow, that was. <laughs> Bye. I'm okay. done with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, that was, that was really good. It's like, okay, we're done. Nothing else needs to be said. <laughs> you know why? Because it is. So my thing hits this hour thing where yeah. if I'm on an app for too long, it'll be like, you are on it too long and like shut it off. <laughs> oh, is that part of, de is that part of a uh, social media detoxing? <laughs> Yes, I, th yes, this is why I'm not on TikTok for the last four days is because like, it's, it's a good thing for me to get kicked off. So I do apologize. I did not no, turn that okay. off. No, that's, um, I just put it of our hearts. I wanted to see, I don't know if there, I, I'm not, I don't see any of the comments, if there were any comments. There's been um, quite a few of just, any other questions. Yeah, there is like love and support. Uh, grief is so clinical. I went through a divorce and that hit me so hard. Uh, just so much love, like so much love for you. Yes, talk about the ones we lost and your loved ones grieving um, with you. Love you. Christy is uh, saying with you. There's so many with you, with you, with you. <laughs> um, yeah, trying to get it. your name. I, I really yeah. do. I have like the best, greatest support system ever. Mm -hmm. I really, really do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, we were just telling everyone to uh, where to find you, but why don't you let them know um, where they can get a hold of you online? Yeah. So uh, if you want to email me, uh, my email is just 
stay1111 at gmail.com. Um, I'm also on TikTok, so you can find me at Lauren Ashley Studios. Um, and what we could do is after this, we could post the link uh, and you guys can see me there. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. Thank oh, you so awesome. much for coming and sharing. We, uh, we loved having you. Uh, this is such a hard topic to talk about. You did an amazing job. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We are thrilled to have you as a part of this community and we are really trying to grow and reach more people. So there's a lot of ways you can get involved. Um, one is going to our website. There's some really great resources there. Yes. And the most exciting part is checking out those GIFs. Or what do you call them? GIFs. I call them GIFs. You call them GIFs, whatever. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're actually enjoying your sober life and you're going and you're posting on your Instagram, please just go to Seek Purpose and check them all out and tag us. Yeah. I want to see what you guys are doing out there in sober life. Yeah, we also have filters actually we've been putting out as well. There's so much you can do um, through so social media with Seek Purpose, like like, comment, share, all of our posts, really get involved with this community. There's so much help out there for you and so much connection here we've been finding. Yeah, and you know, the one thing that we have learned in recovery is asking for help. So we're going to ask for help and just become a patron mm -hmm. and come help be a part of this community and help it grow. And uh, we'd love to have you. If you want to become a patron, we have a link on our website that you can click. And there's some really cool perks of becoming a patron with Seek Purpose. So we hope you check that out. And obviously, if you review this podcast on whatever podcasting app you're listening to, it's going to help us reach more ears and get that message out of recovery. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. We have so much more in store. And uh, as our, our little community grows, our collective there's exciting things that are happening that are coming out uh, that we can't wait for you to be involved with. So stay tuned and uh, stay connected.